Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Must Be the Place, the Building Science Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Henderson. Each episode is a deep conversation with a carefully chosen peer about not just houses, but place. Yeah, of course we talk about houses and retrofits, but we also want to change the industry for the better, forever. Energy poverty, community engagement, industry disruption, societal responsibility, and climate change. It's all here and so much more. Welcome back to This Must Be the Place, the Building Science Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Henderson. My guest today is the house whisperer, Nate Adams, author, speaker, subject matter, expert, content creator, and general industry disruptor and electrification champion. He's got lots to say about the concept of lead, follow, or get out of the way. He joins us from Cleveland, Ohio. So nice to see you again. Welcome. Likewise. Yeah, it's been a few years since we've actually seen each other in person. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking back to when we met, which was at the Affordable Comfort Institute, ACI conference, which is now, I don't know, BPA? No, I don't know what it is anymore. It's and Performance Coalition. I, I know. Thank you. A few <laughs> renditions of names there. So. <laughs> It, it, Detroit is the one that I, that sticks out in my mind in particular. Detroit, where we it was Detroit. I thought it was in Pittsburgh, but yes, you're right. It was Detroit, and we were introduced by the late great Mike Rogers. Yes, yes. And that was at a celebration of women in the industry. So, and you were just shifting out of being a weatherization contractor. Yeah, I was hating my life and trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do with it um, yeah. and strongly yeah. considering moving away from this whole space. So. Yeah, so that's, a, that's, that's my, my perfect segue into how do we lead follower get the hell out of our own ways? Like what, what puts you in that place where you were getting out of weatherization? Um, the, the problem with building performance or home performance or weatherization or whatever you'd like to call it is it is extremely difficult to make a decent living at it. Um, and I mean, it's for better or for worse, we live in a capitalistic society. Um, and it's funny. It's a, I did a Twitter thread a while ago and somebody said, well, you triggered me by using the word capitalism. And I'm like, I don't view it as good or bad. I view it like a hammer. It's a tool. Um, right. A hammer can be used as a murder it, weapon. It actually, yeah. Yeah, or exactly. it can be used to build a house. It's the same tool. It's just the intent um, right. that is different between it, the intent of the user. So uh, for better or for worse, we, we live in a capitalist society. Um, is it the perfect system? No, but I don't know anything better. Uh, well, so, we don't have much. Yeah, we're not going to individually be, like, ramping up massive changes. I mean, we can't, you know, we can do it with, yeah. what we can do as individuals. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. I, I joke that building performance ruined my life. Uh, because when I first started doing retrofit insulation, so that's, I used to work for a fiberglass manufacturer selling to contractors building new houses. And uh, then there was this little thing called the housing crash, you know, so a little bit of a dip. My wife and I lost our jobs within two weeks of each other in early 09. So we were built to run on one income, but we weren't planning on no income. Uh, so uh, I started the insulation company and one one big failure that I had in that was I designed the company to make money day one 
not necessarily to grow. So th- those are different structures in how you mm-hmm. set something up. But I did, I, I made much better money doing bad work than I did doing good work as I learned more and more about building science. So I watched my, my margins collapse because I knew how to do good work, but I didn't know how to sell it or to build the value in it to be able to sell it for the amount of money that it needed to be so that I could make money. And then I would also have money uh, to hire someone to help sell. Right. So I ended right. up just, I was doing too much. I was working 80 or 100 hours a week. And one day I was riding along with my wife. Um, we'd, we'd go to the, uh, the roller rink. Uh, every week and I was so slammed and she doesn't like driving so if she she's happy to just let me drive she's just not the task that she prefers um, she's super hard worker just doesn't like that um, so I was making her drive so that I could call people back and schedule appointments and she asked night. me one night yeah on date night um, and she asked me uh, can I have one uh, evening alone with you and your full attention per week and I told her no and because I was so swamped. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I ended up shutting the company down not too long yeah. after. Like th- that's that's one of those, you know, you have really screwed up. <laughs> when, like yeah, well, if you're if you're at all, you know, observant of yourself, you know, you just screwed the pooch. And uh, I'm like, the, I, I want to have a good life and provide a good life for my family. But I can't do that if I'm not around. Exactly. And, you know, I think that that illustrates a huge problem in our industry is that at least in Canada, and it's not much different in the States, but it might be a slightly different ratio. About 70% of the companies that are working in the residential construction industry are what are called micro micro companies. So there's zero to four people on staff. And so you're wearing all the hats, hats all the time. And you're scrambling to hit everybody else's schedule and your own. It's a huge problem with the industry. We can never move ahead when when every contractor I know is exactly the same place as you were. I did that for many, many years. Just like, you know, I took my my daughter was out on site with me when she was 10 days old. Mine too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but you hadn't given birth. Maybe not quite 10 10 days. days Maybe she was... (laughs) For, yeah, it's very, very, very true. Yes, I <laughs> wasn't but, still walking you know, crooked. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, lugging, yeah, yeah, lugging my blower door test with me. No, or it was not. It was not. It was not pleasant. Um, no, but, a blower door in one hand and a baby carrier in the other. And the baby yeah, in the other, and you know everything sort of like well, I'll just hold everything in. But <laughs> sorry, but that was, you know, the whole the whole mismatch of money in and money out. And of course, if you're working on the tools, that's, you have to be working on the tools to make money. Yeah. And so, and then we have these other issues that I want to talk about with you too, is like the, you know, incentive programs that devalue the work that people do and then lead to this whole sort of cascading issue of who's actually getting paid value. And what does a homeowner think about the value they're getting? And so, you know, the theme of this part of the podcast, what do we as an industry need to do to get out of our own way so we can offer high quality energy conservation measures that make sense on both sides of the sales equation, meaning for homeowners and for contractors? 
So I'm setting you up. Go. <laughs> this is your place. This is I know this is your happy place to talk about this stuff. This, so, this is exactly my happy place. Yeah. Um, so let's so, talk about Hope Performance 2.0. And which turned into HVAC 2.0 because it ended up being so involved with HVAC contractors. So, I mean, uh, fundamentally, we have a value problem. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can't increase the value of something enough to be able to make a good living on it, you're in trouble. And that's what I found at the end of my insulation contracting career. Uh, I mean, the, the last year that I was in business, I was working upwards of 80 hours a week, and I made $25,000. Why? That is – and it was – by the way, 15 of that was from one job. Um, uh, that was early in the year. So the rest of the year, I was just – like it, I told people it felt like six weeks of Mondays, just one after another, just constant crises coming. Uh, I was getting callbacks because I'd moved to subcontracting because my crew had blown up because I wasn't managing them well enough. Um, like uh, you talk about wearing all the hats. I, I was trying to, but like I'm not naturally the best manager of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could learn to be better at it, but I, I, I hadn't then, and I still haven't yet. But it's, that, that will be in my future, for better or for worse. Um, well, it's also uh, a skill set that the whole raft of folks who 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 work with their hands and work in the tools, and that's their happy place. They don't have that. That's not nobody ever teaches that. If you go to school for a trades no. program, yeah. nobody's going to teach you business management one hundred and one. Nobody's going to teach you those soft skills in terms of managing people and, and doing HR stuff. Exactly. You're just, so there, hard. you're just out there hanging out, doing your thing and trying to coordinate with all these other guys who and gals who are out in the field trying to make their living. It's a, it's a hard place. Yep. And then January 3rd, 2013, I got a call from my foreman who said, we're not going to be working together anymore. Or the crew isn't. And I'm like, what do you mean? We, we've got a month of work all booked all lined up everything's good to go um this is high season like this is when i make my money in the year i had lost money every summer i started just going on vacation in july i'm like i'm gonna lose five grand so i might as well be gone mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> so um uh like it, it it's it's such a difficult thing managing that but again it comes back to fundamentally a value problem um and there's actually there's two pieces of value one we can solve as contractors um and tradespeople the other is actually a policy problem um mm-hmm. which is saying something because you know that i am i'm famous for being rabidly anti policy because 100% of the programs that I've dealt with have involved the poison pill that people didn't realize. Um, like you said, devalu- they end up devaluing work somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they shift when people buy from one time to another and they, they mess up uh, business cycles. There's lots of different things that can happen. Uh, but uh, the, the first piece of value is it needs to be worth paying the price up front. So first cost value we have to build. So that's your traditional sales process. Uh, we, we can manage that as uh, tradespeople. The other part, though, is resale value, which is mm-hmm. from having watched several of our clients sell their homes after doing fifteen to $40,000 projects, how much extra were they worth? Um, somewhere between slim to none and slim left town. Um, like there's just, there, there's, there, there's no value bump at all, um, for these homes that from the outside look the same. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I take great pride in not changing what places look like, but just changing how they function. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can't see this. So the, the key thing there is to publish energy use um, right. at resale. So you can understand right. what's going on. You can understand operation costs. But I don't want the costs. I want the usage because then you can take the usage and apply whatever your own assumptions are. Um, right. Uh, and go from there. Uh, but anyway, so there's that piece. But back to HVAC 2.0, the program that we're building, um, if we are going to scale electrification, and it's funny, I've I've basically excised energy efficiency from my uh, lexicon. I just don't use it. Um, I was actually, it was a similar decision when Trump got elected. My partner and I decided we're going to stop saying climate change. Um, and how can we do everything that we're doing here without using that phrase. And that is key. That's, um, I'll come back around to it in a minute. But that's key because, uh, at least in the U.S., and I presume in Canada, 80% of contractors are politically conservative. So you want to be cautious using various trigger words. It may not be a trigger word in, in Canada, but it definitely is in the U.S. So we have, just have to find other ways to get there. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not a problem. You can find your way there. Uh, but then we have to uh, – so once we can find contractors who are open to solving problems for clients, um, and it, it, it's funny, it, the efficiency and the electrification, we view them as natural outcomes, mm-hmm. not goals. Um, so like, one of my favorite clients who sadly just passed a few months ago, his name is Paul Schultz. Um, and if you look at energysmartohio.com, that's uh, the website for our Cleveland practice, which is now all but dead. Um, it's, uh, I do remote work at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we electrified his 1900 house. It's 1300 square feet in Cleveland, Ohio, um, uh, in the hood. Like it was, it was not the best neighborhood. That street was okay, but if you went either way, you were in trouble. Uh, but it, he didn't care about climate. Didn't make any sense to him at all. So but we ran a load on his house. He wanted a comfortable, uh, low cost operate home because mm-hmm. he he knew basically that he was going to die there. He died sooner than I was hoping he would because uh, he was such a pleasant individual. He was such mm-hmm. a fun client to work with because um, he, he understood things. He'd, he'd march forward. I could suggest crazy stuff. He'd be like, okay, what day are you coming? Um, <laughs> I guess. So I didn't dream, charge him enough, but I, but, but I didn't care. Yeah, it's like I didn't care that I wasn't making a ton of money because I was getting to try stuff. Uh, but the load on his house came back at 20,000 BTUs. And I mean, the smallest furnace you can buy normally is a 60. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can find a 40, but it's not going to be modulating. And the uh, 60,000 BTU you modulating. That can change. That's changing. Detson has one that's a really. It's we a don't want it to. Shh, I know. I know. Shh. It's exciting, though, for those who are in that realm, but, you know, are, are we'll looking go, for that. Yeah. We'll go all electric. <laughs> and keep going. Well, we can do hybrids too. So um, uh, it's a, it'll be curious when this comes out. I'm, I'm helping with a piece of legislation, and I'm curious if it actually makes it out the other side. So um, we'll know when we, when this comes out. Uh, but um, uh, so my conversation with him was: so Paul, the sixty thousand BTU furnace only dips down to twenty, which is how much your house needs when it's five degrees out, um, or minus fifteen ish Celsius, mm-hmm. something like that. 13, 15. Um, and I'm like, this is going to sound crazy. So don't tell me no now. You can tell me no tomorrow, but just don't tell me no now. Um, 
uh, I think we might actually do a heat pump for your house because we can actually match the output to what your house actually needs. And, you know, silence for a little bit. We talked through it for five minutes. And he's like, okay, we'll do the heat pump. Um, that was not a climate or efficiency-based sale. <laughs> that was, I want the right piece of equipment for my mm-hmm. house that will make it comfortable. And uh, a good friend of mine, Cameron Taylor, who is a, HVAC, a commercial HVAC expert in Texas. He manages a really cool laboratory building at the University of Texas Arlington. Cool. I got to tour it a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I got to stand inside an airflow problem. It's one thing to actually understand what something is like, but it's another to be like, I'm standing inside a 30,000 CFM air handler and the air is dead right here. Um, just weird to feel that sort of thing. But Cameron came and visited that house with me, and he he said that it had womb-like comfort. Very nice. Um, so that house just felt awesome. It was great, um, so, and it was so like that house. Did you do um, Did you do anything to the envelope? Did you do any air sealing or anything? Yeah, that's a, that one actually dogged me. I only missed my air sealing target on two projects, and that was one of them. <laughs> um, it had double ceilings and double walls. I've never okay. seen a house built like that. Uh, so we just couldn't quite get it there. We, we did a day of uh, spray foaming, um, which yeah, I expected at least half the leakage to come out, and it moved like 15%. I'm like, oh, oh you got to yeah, be kidding yeah. me. Um, yeah, I could imagine with uh, double walls and ceilings, you probably got like thermal bypasses. Everywhere, yeah. And so we, we got to where it was pretty good. So my target on that house was uh, 1,500 blower door. We got to 1,800. Um, but I actually had him bribe the contractors. Uh, it was a couple of weatherization guys that were there doing the dense pack. And I'm like, these guys know how to air seal. I'm like, Paul, would you be open to offering them a $100 bonus each if they can hit this number? He's like, oh, yeah. That's um, not a bribe. A bribe is when you say, here, some money to fake it out. That's an incentive. Yeah. That was incentive. Um, well, and it, and it worked. Like uh, yeah. the caulk guns came out, and the foam guns came out, and they went yeah. to town and they found every nook and cranny. Um, and we were going to really whiff because when I, I asked for that, we were still at like 2,300 CFM 50, and it had started, started at 3,900. So it was, it was a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we did a bunch of shell work to that house. It came in uh, kind of sort of to heal. Um, but the, the two-ton was the right piece of equipment when we were mm-hmm. done. It was a two-ton green speed. And, uh, but the, the whole point of that story is that job was sold on comfort and air quality and health. Um, and I mean, operating costs were in there, but it's a 1,300-square-foot house. What but is it really going to cost the heat? Operating costs are always sort of like, as far as I'm concerned, they're like, it has become that those are the bonus points that you get when you, when you go and do the sale. The sale is always about what do you need? I want, I need a comfortable house. I need better air quality. I have a kid with asthma. I've got asthma. Um, You know, the, and, and the bonus points are that everything that we do for energy conservation can in, when it's done well, translate into much higher comfort levels, way better indoor air quality, healthier indoor environment, all good. So um, I've been for years have been, that's been my cell. Yeah, you've been there. In terms of the, um, in terms of the building envelope work, and uh, so you mentioned, like, what was it? Uh, I missed the CFM fifty. I can't remember the numbers you said. Oh, but those uh, are slightly thirteen hundred square foot. Um, so, 
Can you translate that for my Canadian listeners into air changes? ACH 50? Um, I didn't run the numbers, but let's say we started at 15, something like that, and we got it down to like six or seven. Um, Okay. Okay. Still not amazing numbers, but it's 1,300 square foot, you know, ancient house in Cleveland with double double walls and double freaking ceilings. I've never seen it before. Um, That's you know, we started at 3,900 and it came down to like 50 percent reduction is. Yeah, so 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 tell me again. Um, it, well, the, the spray foam work that we did, which I expected at least a fifty percent drop from, we went from thirty nine hundred to like thirty two. Um, I was like, boy, like we just we aren't getting anywhere. What's mm-hmm. going on? Because um, every time I'd done that before, it was like there's fifty percent, and then everything right. else that we got after that was gravy. Right. Um, so that's what I was expecting, and the house didn't you, move. And then you ended up getting more than halfway. More than 50% yeah, yeah. reduction? Yeah. So yeah, we got to 1,800. So, yeah, just a little over halfway. But uh, – and that was my average on projects doing those. But uh, that era home, usually I got somewhere between 70 to 80% reduction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what I was expecting. Right, which is phenomenal. And when I – you know, I always get a little uppity when people say, oh, well, you can't – you can't even think about getting those – kind of numbers, those kind of reductions on Airson. It's like, well, hold my beer or my coffee or whatever I happen to be drinking at the time and we'll make it happen. <laughs> that's that that's exactly it. It's uh well so it, there's there's a movie from years ago that uh I, I end up referring back to. It was called I Spy. It was Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson, and Owen Wilson was this uh, low-level spy, so they kept giving him these gadgets that are horrible. Um, like they gave him a GPS tracker that was so heavy that when he put it underneath the car, it fell off because the magnet wasn't strong enough. <laughs> so he climbs into the trunk of the car to go where they're going. Um, but they're they're having this discussion, and he's like, so look, this is Carlos's uh, gadget, and this is my gadget, and Carlos is just, like small and slim and sleek, and he's like... So normally bigger is better, but in the spy world, it's backwards. Smaller is better. Um, and so within HVAC 2.0, like to the same thing, like we, we want to push people's competitive buttons. Uh, mm-hmm. We call it the ballsy mm-hmm. sizing contest. Uh, so who in a various climate zone is, is willing so to size smaller? Yeah, yeah. It's, well, <laughs> And, yeah, I know, and I know HVAC techs are yeah. 98.5% men. So um, it, it, this is one of those places. So I'm uh, – well, it's my, my friend Abby and I did a podcast called Boundary Spanners because I've I've always – and it's funny. I was just – I recorded another podcast with a college friend of mine yesterday, and she's like, Nate, you're always comfortable in whatever – culture that you're in. You can just kind of flow and work with it. So Bobby and I call ourselves boundary spanners. And so in the blue collar world, let's use messing with people and frankly bullying um, uh, against them because it's it's just part of it. Like uh, I say, making fun of each other in the blue collar world is the love language. Um, If people are making fun of you, usually it means they like you. If you don't have a penis, it's not. And so that's... That's my Your thought, my yeah. constant rant and my constant work ethic is or work ethic I don't know my goal um, is how do we goal, get yeah. past the place where if you don't have a penis and testicles you can still be ballsy but nobody's using those terms like like yeah. just like yeah. like you have to, like so 
to throw it back at you, just like you're not using climate change or energy efficiency, mm-hmm. pull out those gendered terms because they're not gonna they're not gonna bring women in. And as the you know as our as our workforce dwindles, we're gonna need more people and half we're gonna need some ladies in the, there. Yeah, half the uh, the population is not welcome. Fifty-one percent, if we're going to be exact. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you know that number. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be quite fifty-one, but it's close. It's not quite even, yeah. um, for whatever reason. Um, so, th- th- this is where there, there's a balance here. So, to move fast, I am to a degree more than okay with leveraging where we are to mm-hmm. accelerate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shifting tack as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, if if we want to accelerate what we're doing, we have to take where we are um, culturally and leverage that to the greatest degree that we can. And then as we move, we can we can trim and tack from there. So that's that's my view. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to agree on that. Um, no. And that's fine because we're, you know, it, the more angles we come at these changes from, mm-hmm. the better. I want to, before we get deeper into this, I want you to explain about HVAC 2.0. Yes, yes. Because this is, um, this is the program that I think is a very, um, it has some really good legs. And I know that you've been working you. really hard on getting it. Of legs. <laughs> yeah, it's a. So uh, let, let me take a step back 10 years, um, which is where all of this began. And I was, I was hating my life and working 80 to 100 hours a week and not making enough money and ticking off my wife um, and being totally miserable personally. I mean, there was, there was one point in my life while we were renovating a house and I was out working. I told her the best part of my life is when I'm asleep. Hmm. that's it. And like, so she had some fond memories of that period and I had none. I just, I hated it. I was just working as hard as I could just to make things happen. Um, uh, And so made decent money that year. Uh, But so as you start to learn building science, it's kind of a disease Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden you understand how many things you can change and how many things you can fix. And like you and I can scope half of houses from the street. Mm-hmm. Like once you've seen enough houses, you're like, all right, it's, it's a ranch. It's going to need this, this, and this. It's a split level. It's going to need this, this, and this. We got to figure out where this problem is in this house. Cause they always have this. It's just, where is it? Um, uh, but that doesn't sell the project. Mm-hmm. So we are magicians, but nobody wants to buy our magic. Because they don't and, know we're magicians. Well, that's part <laughs> of it, but they, they, they have to see the the value. So at the end of the day, every job has to be sold. Like in, not sold in a negative, you, you know, used car salesman, what are you looking to spend today kind of uh, sold. But the, the value has to be built so that people will uh, hear the price for all the stuff that needs to be done to the house and be like, yeah, that's more than fair. Uh, where do I sign? Like like when you buy when you buy a car and you you start with the base model and you move up. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, I sold cars for a short while. And one of the tactics was, look, if they're bulking at price, take them back outside and th- show them through some more features so that you, mm-hmm. you build some value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's, it, I, I don't like a whole lot of the stuff that I learned there, <laughs> but I can still remember some of it. And now I have to totally reverse it. But uh, so fundamentally, as building scientists, we are magicians. Um, But we need people to be able to see our magic, and that requires building value and helping them understand so that they're willing to buy. So more so than anything, I mean, if if we can scope a whole lot of houses from the street, we can can tell just from the street what a house needs. Now we need to build the value for people. Mm -hmm. So now it's actually – it's a sales process problem more so than it's a technical problem. It's still a technical problem, but until you sell it, it doesn't become the technical problem. Um, and so my partner and I have spent the last decade trying to figure out how can we build a replicable, repeatable sales process that is extremely sound on the building science part. Like it is steeped, deeply steeped in building science. Um, uh, yet we can teach it to people repeatedly. They can go out and use it repeatedly and see really nice business results. Mm-hmm. Super critical because again we're working in a capitalist structure, um, for better or for worse. That's that's where we live, um, and so we've we've started peeling the layers away. And so I figured out how to do these jobs myself, doing them for individual clients. And the whole point of Energy Smart Home Performance was to uh, figure out this process that could be repeated for someone, but we didn't know who yet. So we got to where actually my, my closing ratio for people that went through my audits is 92%. So it was, it was 70 or 80%. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, multiple paths that happen. So you get a lead, um, you've got your closing ratio between lead and actually getting down in in front of them, sitting in front of the, the house. Um, and in this case, I I would do what what we call a comfort consult, which is basically the first half of an energy audit. It's an interview, it's a blower door test, and it's a budget discussion. Um, but it's not a deep look into the house. It's just think of it like a physical. Um, right. What's your blood you pressure? How much do you weigh? Yeah, um, maybe a simple blood test, but no more than that, because um, the whole idea of that is to determine what the next direction is. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, the only direction I could take them was the rest of the uh, diagnostics process, the second half of the energy audit. Um, but uh, if uh, so, my my closing ratio for a while going from the first half of the audit or the comfort consult to what we call the CPP now, the comprehensive planning process. At first I was like 50% and then we moved the process around um, and I was batting a thousand for seven. Um, and I actually felt bad that I had sold a couple of these people these because I, I got further down the road and like, you really didn't need this level. <laughs> like This mm-hmm. is too much. Um, let's just replace your HVAC and let's move on with your life. Okay. Um, and so I felt bad. So my closing ratio started falling after that because I wasn't trying to just shove them in, into that, that thing. But of anyone who did the second piece, the full diagnostics and uh, working up the plan, which you're familiar with, and mm-hmm. you know, we all have different ways of doing the same thing. Um, if someone did that, 92% of the people did projects and nice. that's, they, they did projects paying me and actually almost all of the other ones did something. They just didn't bring me in for it. Uh, so 
I think we can agree these, that's a pretty effective that's a process. Very effective process, and these are not like fifteen hundred dollar jobs either. Mm-mm. No, average was twenty seven thousand six hundred dollars, um, and that like. It, HVAC industry average is eight to ten for a job. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was an installation contractor, my average was twenty five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner got me interested with an average job of sixteen thousand eight hundred. This was oh eight oh nine timeframe, and I was like, "What are you doing?" So it wasn't so much about the money as it was, "Well, that's enough to really do something to a house." Mm-hmm. What are you doing? And so he started teaching me what he was doing and we were, we started refining it together. Um, But then the next problem was, all right, so now we have a process that works and I think we can replicate it, but who can we replicate it to? And the first thought was, what about energy auditors? But there's two problems there. One, there's like both of them. Um, So the utility programs came out like Cleveland used to have 20 energy auditors. The gas company came in with a a program where they pay the auditors and all of the private auditors die. There's zero energy auditors in Cleveland today. Um, Thank you, Dominion Gas um, in Columbia. Um, So they destroyed what little business model there was. So there's not enough people to do that. Plus, they actually have the wrong mindset. Because you actually want a sales mindset above a technical mindset at this stage. Mm -hmm. So you need to be looking for what are the people trying to do and not focusing on what needs to be done. Um, So this is all about their goals and their budget. And what the house needs is another thing. So if you remember that that Venn diagram I showed you years ago, that's the comfort consult uh, Venn diagram where it's goals is one circle, house needs and budget. And you're like, that's the Venn diagram of my dreams. Um, Because <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's what we're always trying to solve. Like, can we yeah. get those three to cross? And then we have a project. Um, yeah. Now let's go. And uh, so it takes more of a sales mindset. And then we also needed more of them. And we noticed in when I wrote my book, the home comfort book, I finished it at the end of a 17. Uh, and it's basically it's building science for dummies to an extent. Well, but it's not for dummies. I assume that you're intelligent, but you know nothing about building science and then bring you up from there. So once you read my book, then you can go read Allison Bales and Steve Rick and, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. advanced mm-hmm. stuff and hang on green building advisor. Uh, but we noticed that HVAC contractors were buying that as often as homeowners. Because fundamentally, they're at the same level. They're, they're, I mean, they're very good technicians. So like a a service uh, technician, they're amazing Mm -hmm, at what they do. mm -hmm, They have mm -hmm. to pull up to any house with any kind of cockamamie uh, system installed in Lord knows what way, um, usually very badly, operated weird. um, And then they have to deal with an upset client because the thing's broken. That's why they're there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they have to be able to quickly diagnose what's wrong, um, change that part, get it running, get paid, get on the way again. Um, That skill set is incredible and really hard to learn, but it's the wrong skill set for building science mm-hmm. and building performance because you have to be able to look at the house holistically and back up and look at the entire house and the client um, and the HVAC system and the duct system or whatever the distribution system is. But I think when you, um, when you step and back with, and look at the whole house, you're looking at the house as a system, so you actually are looking at the HVAC system in mm-hmm. – the scope of all of the other systems that build up the house and 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 are factors in how it performs. Precisely, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that that's where 
we're, we're still in really early adopter phase for the contractors. We're just, uh, well, probably as this comes out, we'll be getting the system together enough to where we can reach uh, a much larger group of contractors. But we have built 2.0 for homeowners. We, we think a lot about the adoption curve. Um, mm-hmm. There's a great book called Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore. Mm-hmm. I can't recommend reading it enough. So as we try to figure out how are we going to scale electrification and building performance or energy efficiency or whatever name we want to put on it, um, if we don't figure out how to reach the mass market, we fail. Mm-hmm. And so far, we have spent 40 years failing. Um, I was born right about when Jimmy Carter was elected. Um, we've been failing my entire lifetime <laughs> to scale building performance. Yep, I know. I've been in this industry for 30 years, and I bang my head against the wall every time somebody asks me the same questions that I heard 30 years ago. It's like, yeah, we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, we have to hit the fat part of the market. Um, so the, the, the adoption curve, it's a bell curve. So mm-hmm. the first, the, the very beginning of it's your early adopters, ooh, shiny, I want to have this before my friends, um, it's brand new, whatever it might be. But the mass market, they want something that's demonstrably better and also easy to buy. Mm-hmm. We have to hit those metrics. And so that's what we've been working really hard to build 2.0 to be able to do. Um, so for homeowners, like I've known the whole time we've been doing this, the 92% closing ratio tells you we can hit anyone because I had people from all political stripes with all reasons coming to me to do things. Um, uh, fundamentally just, they had houses that were screwed up enough to spend enough time searching on the web to find me. That's, Mm -hmm. that was what Mm -hmm. they all had in common. Um, but if we're going to move to electrification and decarbonization, we can't hit just the leading edge of the people that have really screwed up houses. We have to hit everyone. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think you've heard this for years. I know I have, um, building performance has been the HVAC industry's business to lose for 40 years. Yep, we're going to hand it to them is what we're going to do. It's, here it is, silver platter. Um, so rough, quick numbers. What we are seeing from our group of about 40 contractors across the U.S. and one in Canada. Um, okay. uh, <laughs> so this one, um, yeah. like it, it, it works anywhere. It's a, I want to move to the U.K. for a while um, and build it there. Uh, in Australia, like I said, I, I love living in different places. Um, I, know, I want but, to talk uh, to you a little bit about your Airbnb and your, your little caravan life that you and your wife and, 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 and child are living these days. It sounds so fun. But we'll get on so to that we, in a minute. We, we love doing that <laughs> stuff, yeah. But uh, so back to – so we have a capitalist construct. We need to make money. So it means we need to increase the value enough so that people will say yes. Um, and then we need a large army of people to do this, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. But we, we And they need to be an existing army. We can't build from scratch. So mm-hmm. we need to tap into an existing vertical. And they need to have more of a sales mindset than a technical mindset. Um, is what we found on the early side of things. So that's the HVAC industry. And of uh, our 40 contractors, um, what we are seeing is they are doubling their average closing ratios um, and they are doubling their average project sizes. Even better. And some of them are like hair-raising job values. So uh, only a few guys have actually gone through, and it's all 
there's there's a couple of ladies in it, but nobody's active. <laughs> uh, for better or for worse, I'm waiting for some ladies to come wipe the walls with us, frankly, because uh, empathy is actually a really good piece to have in here. But it's but it's a managed empathy. Like it has to be understand, but also like have it be bedside manner as well. Um, so still staying distance enough in your mind to not get totally pulled in. But I'm I'm waiting for some ladies to just crush us. Um, and that's going to be awesome. Uh, but one of the first guys went out and did his first CPP, comprehensive planning process, the advanced audit part of 2.0. And he sold a $68,000 job on a 3,000 square foot house. That's amazing. Two HVAC systems, a crap ton of air sealing. Um, uh, and uh, what was that? There was one, there was one other product in there as well, but uh, I'm like Johnny, you you can't do this to me. Like my my current high is seventy thousand. You can't be like scraping me on the very first time. What are you doing? Don't make me look bad. Um, you're just messing with them. Um, and then one of our other guys just sold a hundred nineteen thousand dollar project uh, last month. Um, so that's enough to change houses. Yeah, yeah. It's very encouraging when you can find those kinds of 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 clients and that kind of put that kind of value in there because I have a very long standing grudge against renovators who essentially say, Oh, well, you know, if you, if your renovation is going to cost X number of your X percentage of your mortgage or of the house value, then you might as well just, you're, you're better served to knock it down and build new. And I'm like, it's, Stop saying those things. Who, who came up with that idea um, that, you know, this is going to cause, I mean, it's just such a throwaway culture, right? It makes me crazy. This building is fine. It's sound. Yeah. There are no issues with it. It is in a, you know, usually in an established neighborhood and community. There's a reason why people want to be here. And then there's usually some sort of character piece that comes along with that. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what people want is that house, but better. So yeah. no, don't tear it down. There's no point. I actually think it's fix really it. fix it. And that's, that's a, a, a much more viable solution. And if they can't fix it all at once, then fix it in stages, but have a plan. Please have yes. a plan yes. because there doesn't make any sense to just go in and, and, and do some things and then you short circuit a whole generational um, changes that you could possibly make. I'm I'm a huge fan of old houses. Always have been. Um, if you want a soulless box to live in, buy something built after 1945. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, hold on, because for, for a whole raft of people, there is no other option. <laughs> Um, no, that's that's true. So you get to the south, but uh, uh, well, it, it's funny. I I can say that, but I'm sitting in a uh, manufactured home because we could afford this um, mm -hmm. and write a check for it. So mm -hmm. is it ideal? No, um, it's actually horribly moisture damaged. Horribly. Um, I've got a couple house? more years of work. No, the, uh, the the river house has its own issues, but uh, we're, I'm sitting in West Virginia now, actually. Okay. So uh, yeah, this this house is not that great. Um, uh, but I can fix it and we are fixing it. I'm not going to tear it down. Um, it's still viable. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's just fix the houses, but people don't know how. Right. And it's not actually that difficult. We both know it's not that hard. Like, is it easy? No. But I mean, is being in any trade easy? No. Um, but you can learn it. 
Yeah, you can learn it. And you need, I think that, I think one of the things that comes up for me a lot is that people need to, when they're, when they're moving into this field, is they need to understand how to avoid unintended consequences, right? That's the building science part of it is how do you avoid creating a moisture sandwich? How do you avoid um, making those moisture problems in your prefab house worse? How do you avoid those things? That makes more sense, right? When you start to think about Mm -hmm. it in those terms, how do I avoid those unintended consequences of my good actions, right? I want to put insulation in. I want to do air sealing. All right. Here's what you need to also consider. So so you get that holistic kind of a um, thought pattern happening. And that's the the kind of training that we're trying to pull together is this this broad-based think about it in all of these different terms, this is basically, you know, the house is a three-dimensional puzzle. It is mm-hmm. a three-dimensional yeah. puzzle. You can't, uh, you can't flatten it. You know, you can't make it 2D. Um, it's not as there's no, never going to be a straight line from one thing to another. Um, <laughs> you might have straight lines in your house. That's a bonus. But it's never going to be a straight line from I'm here and I want to get to this this amount of reduction in energy in I want to improve my comfort by this much or, you know, any kind of metric that you use, it's never going to be a straight line. Correct. Yeah. that's uh, Well, so here's a funny thing on that. Um, uh, it, was it uh, my, my friend Bronwyn Berry um, mm-hmm. in uh, San Francisco you know, right. within the passive house space? Um, so uh, she's another really fun, sharp-tongued uh, lady friend of mine in the building science industry. So it requires being sharp-tongued um, for better, for worse. Uh, but uh, she referred to me as an HVAC guy a little while ago. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a shell guy. Um, no, you're not. Still, you're an HVAC guy. I am now, but I <laughs> you are I, now. But, but you're the you're the you're the HVAC guy of the future. You're the HVAC person. Let's change it. You're the HVAC person who has a good grounding in building science. Correct. Right. So that's um, and, and that's and, what and we're so trying to inject. Great, yeah, and these are the great linkages and the great things that I'm seeing from the work that you're doing with with HVAC uh, 2.0 is making the connections and proving that there's a value add there for for more services and that can allow more people to be to to do collaborative work as well right so you may yeah. not have enough business management skills for example to run your HVAC crews and shell crews you may not be able to do that and, it may, and maybe so you bring somebody in so you bring somebody in, but you need to make sure that they've got the same kind of building science knowledge that you have. So there's trans- transformation right across the industry. Yeah. And then we need to pull in, you know, building inspectors and realtors, anybody who touches the house at any point in the value chain mm-hmm. has to understand that the reason why we're doing things differently now, we're focusing on comfort and we're focusing on good value because this is an investment that people make for the rest of their lives. I mean, they're going to, if they're investing in a house, I shouldn't say the rest of the rest of their lives. It's but, our if invest- too. Yeah. Yeah. but if they're investing for in a house, it's for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. It may not be the same house, right? The investment yeah. may change um, as they, you, you grow and or shrink in your family size or, you know, 
shift around whatever kind of reasons why you shift around from one place to another. But every time you make you you're putting money back into a house, you want to make sure that you're investing wisely in it. And yes. you know, the homeowners your home your home comfort um, book and a lot of other um, blue house energy resources out there. Blue house energy, I like blue house energy. Um, you know, <laughs> those are the kinds of of resources that people need to have so that they can make qualified and educated decisions about what they want to do with their biggest investment. I have something exciting to tell you, and I can tell you this now because by the time uh, this episode drops, we'll have it all in bag, is that we are also going to be offering our uh, um, online courses as audio courses, and they're going to be offered within, as as a resource within the online course, but also we're going to do a very low cost subscription podcast style. Oh, cool. So if you're a homeowner and you want to understand more about building science, you can just listen to the podcast and it's going to be not a very, not a very big price tag for, you know, maybe you can listen to everything in a month. Maybe you want to have it for six months. Maybe you want to, you know, whatever you're listening, whatever it might be, yeah. whatever your listening level might be um, so that we can offer that yes. to a wider range of people. And, you know, whereas our on-demand pieces are all, uh, driven by CEUs and, and professional development credits, the subscription model is not going to be that. Yeah. It's just a free-for-all. You just Here's learn. The information, just learn. And, Get um, curious. Yeah. yeah. That's so very we exciting. Can a, we can make a, a little bit of a dent that way in getting people to... Uh, I hope so, too. That's, that was my point in writing the book. That yeah. It, it has, yeah. That, that hasn't been good pay for two years' worth of effort. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll put it up on the uh, the uh, we'll put it up on the podcast on the on the on the show notes so that people can can find it and uh, and and also your website for and any of the information that you want to just hand off to me after we've we've done. I'll send and, it over. No uh, problem. We'll get that over. Um, but I do want to ask you two questions because these are my favorite questions to ask nerds. I like it already. All right, okay, hit me. Okay, so what's your all-time favorite nerdful, delightful thing about building science? What just like, what do you love? The Carrier Infinity Thermostat. <laughs> That's very specific. Um, very specific. Um, yeah. But it is hands down the best control I have ever seen, ever worked with. I can control moisture. I can control airflow. I can control nice. comfort. I can right. control resistance electric usage. Um, uh, there's just so many things that I can do with that. Here's the bad part. I've talked to one person at Carrier because I have very difficult technical questions when I come up with questions um, mm-hmm. because it's not in the manual at the time mm-hmm. I'm asking questions. Um, and I call in and uh, I worked very hard to get a phone number of someone. And the first question is, how did you get this number? Like this is not going to go well at all. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's one of those curses that I see this again and again. Excellent products, hideous support, um, mm-hmm. or vice versa. Um, but it seems very difficult to get a very good product with good support. Um, so I have a love hate relationship with that product. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but um, there's another you, there's another strong disconnect in the industry. Yeah, yep. yeah. So that's it, that may be the best control 
right now, but the user experience of it is 2006 called. They want their thermostat back. <laughs> um, like, come on, people. Like, we're like 20 generations on. Why does this thing suck uh, from yeah. a consumer perspective? Like, yeah. It's not terrible, but have you ever been in a Tesla? I have. Have you driven one yet? I haven't driven one, but i um, been in one, been in one and... Um, just about pooped myself because the fellow who came to visit us said, oh, hey, you don't have any heart problems, do you? I was like, um, no. And he said, okay. And then he kicked it into whatever it is, insane mode. And I'm like, ludicrous. Yeah, do not do this. There are 20 deer that live on my road. I do not want to die because you're showing off your damn car. You know what? That tickles uh, car guys very, very much because that's where I come from. Um, so that's that's how we convert that part of the market. Um, uh, so I want a Cybertruck so that I can go dust somebody who's a coal roller with his diesel pickup truck. Uh, if I go just destroy him in a straight line, he's going to want one. That's why yeah. I want one of those. Um, but uh, I, I mentioned Tesla, though, because their UI is really good. So my mm -hmm. wife is a mm -hmm. user experience designer, um, right. and she hates cars, hates them. Um, and I bought a very expensive head unit for her car, um, a stereo, and that dumb thing is awful. Like, how do you use this? Like, seriously, it's 2022, and this is the turd that we have? And then you get into a Tesla, and it's very intuitive, and it's beautiful, and it moves around. It's it's kind of – Google Earth is really good about that, too. Uh, mm -hmm. Google Maps in general has a very good UI. Uh, but, yeah, that's such a disconnect uh, within HVAC and a whole lot of building performance stuff in general. The yeah. the user experience is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're we're always working on our UI. Always, always, always. always how do we make yeah. it better? So, all right. So the Second next question. question. Second question. Last question of the day. What's the building science BS that drives you crazy? Electronic air cleaners of all kinds within the HVAC <laughs> industry. <laughs> Here, oh, but I have a study. Use some plasma. Use some ionization. Use some, we'll, we'll put some essential oils in there, too. Yeah. We can clean it. Jiminy Cricket, filtration, fresh air, humidity control. Start there. Yeah. Um, and uh, stop there. What else do you need? Maybe sometimes there's some things. Uh, UVGI works. I don't know why you would use it in um, a, a residential it in space. A, in a house. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Um, shoot. What does that stand for? I can't. It's it's upper room. Upper uh, room. Uh, oh yeah. What? Anyway, it's for it's I can't for think of another. It's, it's for commercial and industrial estate. <laughs> yes. Application. Not a house. Do not buy it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Those are good ones. Those are good ones. All right. Well, we are at the top of Sorry. the hour. So thank you so much. This has been great. And that's our episode for today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in. This episode was produced by Blue House Energy, Podcast Atlantic, and Tanya Media. Subscribe and don't miss an episode. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Mm -hmm.